Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you guys are enjoying your meal. We're going to start with a word of prayer, and let's ask God to bless us with His Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for being a God who is faithful. Lord, we pray you'd refresh us with your spirit. God, you've helped us come so long in the week. Here we are at the end, and so, Lord, we pray we would finish strong. So we pray for strength, energy, clarity, focus, and God, may our hearts leave satisfied and full of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, uh, a few days ago we looked at some non-negotiables, and here they are right here. Christ-centeredness, character, compatibility, communication, commitment, and chemistry. These things are remaining on the platform. We do not want to remove these things. Also yesterday we talked about some possible habitats where we might find these kinds of creatures, right? We use the analogy of a, a wildlife photographer, right? And uh, as he has discovered the habitat of these kinds of people, he either has one of two choices, either move closer or what? Run the other way, right? And uh, if God is opening those doors, if those are green lights going on, uh, this is a time to want to move closer and start making steps. Ultimately, we need to understand this. We want God to lead us. Amen? God's will has to be done. That's what we truly desire. And if God is speaking to us and saying, this is not what I have for you, then we need to have enough courage to follow what God is saying. Because God sees things that we don't see. He sees the future better than we see. His wisdom is greater than any of our wisdom. And so we want to make sure we're following God's will. Can we have a hearty amen for that? Amen. That is the number one criteria above any kind of criteria. God's will. God's will. And uh, so here we are. We've got through the stages, the various kinds of stages. And letting you know, this talk is by no means going to be very exhaustive. I mean, you're going to have to go back, read some books, talk to some mentors, godly people, and find out more how this stage develops. But we talked about things, consideration, kinds of people we'd be interested in. We talked about um, where we might find these kinds of people, how to begin to engage socially with these kinds of people. Now we're going to be dealing with the stage of, okay, here we are. We're starting this courtship process, godly dating, whatever you want to call it. We are beginning this time together, this special kind of relationship, a kind of committed relationship with the intention of the possibility of marriage. Right? What is the difference between worldly dating and courtship? Once again, someone please raise your hand. Yes. Intentionality. intentionality. Okay, what's the intention of courtship? Yeah, that's exactly right. Very good. And what's the intention of marriage? Godly children, a godly family, a godly picture, right? Not, all, not everybody can have godly children. They may not be able to have children. But we want to be able to produce a godly family. So here we are, we're in this stage right here. And the relationship has just begun. The, the great call took place two or three days prior. There's been this mutual understanding. We are now beginning uh, this very committed time of courtship. Now the question comes, wait a minute. How does courtship take place? And what, should, what sort of things should take place during that courtship? Well, before we actually go there, I want us to pay attention to a very beautiful book in the Bible. A book that actually describes courtship. It's the book called Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. 
Now, here's the thing we need to understand about the Song of Solomon. It is this. Solomon, in his latter days, was somebody who had slept with a lot of women. In fact, we're told in the book Patriarchs and uh, Prophets, Patriarchs and Promise, Patriarchs and Prophets, that, uh, you know, eventually what started happening, and, you know, pay attention to what I'm about to say, with all these uh, sexual encounters that he was having, he began to become effeminate. Yeah, just go home and think about that, what that means. Okay? He began to explore all sorts of uh, sexuality and uh, sleeping around and worshiping gods uh, that were really all about defiling the image of God that was in mankind. Yet in the early ages of Solomon, when he was somebody who was seeking after wisdom, the Bible describes that there was one particular woman that he was very much interested in. And she was a Shulamite bride. And he began to share in the book of Song of Solomon the courtship process. Oftentimes we read this book and we say, ah, it's just full of too much symbolism. We can't understand that. But we're okay about understanding the book of Revelation. <laughs> I mean, we love the prophecy aspect and praise the Lord. That is part of who we are as Christians. God has given us prophecy. But here we are, we have another book that uses a lot of symbolism and we just dismiss it. What do you think we are missing out? If this is truly a description of Christ and the bride, then we need to look deeper and understand, wait a minute, what does this symbolism mean? If the symbolism in Revelation reveals such deep, powerful truths, then the book Song of Solomon must have a same kind of understanding and learning framework God wants to lead us deeper into. Can you say amen to that? So, so when you take a good look at the Song of Solomon, uh, theologians break it up into about four different categories, okay? The first phase is about falling in love, the courtship days. The second phase is about being united in love, the wedding day. The third one is about struggling in love, the marriage frustration. And then you have the maturing in love, the marriage faithfulness. And there's usually about three or four ways to break up the Song of Solomon. But here are four different ways. And there you see various aspects of the relationship between that takes place between a man and woman. So when we're looking at the first few chapters, and some of this overlaps, we see the courtship of this mysterious man and this mysterious woman. It's amazing. I love the book Song of Solomon. Rabbi scholars actually considered it at one time the most holiest book of the Old Testament. Why? Because it described a man's love for his bride, uh, depicting a greater picture of God's love for his church. A very deep, special kind of love. So when we're looking at all these things, we can begin to see more and more about the Song of Solomon. It's very amazing. One of my favorite verses in all the Song of Solomon, and one that has really just, I have not been able to fully wrap my mind about what this verse means, is this verse right here. Who is she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? This is actually spoken by the man. What do you think this verse is talking about? Yeah, it's obviously talking about the bride. I mean, there's no question about that. Right? It's not talking about an animal, right? I mean, he's talking about his bride right here. Uh, but the question is, why this kind of symbolism? 
I mean, there are many different ways that you can describe the bride, but Solomon uses very kind of, uh, you can say, special kind of language, cultural language. Many times we'll read the book Song of Solomon, we'll say, why, people don't talk like that. But I guess if people back then see the way we talk today, they would say, people don't talk like that either. But here's the thing. You see a very unusual verse where the groom is seeing his bride. And the Bible says, who is she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? Who wants to take a shot at this? I won't shoot you down because I myself don't know what this really means. Yes? Um, looks like uh, he is looking at a woman who has conquered love. Okay. How do you get that? Well, because he's just, it's in the last, it's, it's, it's like he has a beginning. In that phrase, there's a beginning, middle, and conclusion of the Ooh, that's good. I like that one right there. Anybody else? Who knows what this verse means? What kind of description is taking place here? One more person. Yes. Okay, where's that found? The book of Revelation, right? And what's it describing? It's describing the church, right? And the light that's reflected off her, right? But what you see right here is definitely a description of the bride of Christ as well. But the imagery is also being used that this woman that he has fallen in love with is a very beautiful, powerful, majestic kind of woman. To the point where he compares her to the moon and to the sun. And awesome as an army of banners, a majestic army as they're beginning this march that have this powerful sight and causes the world to tremble. This is how he's describing this woman. It's amazing when you begin to think about it. As we talked about the Song of Solomon and their courtship phases, there's another verse that it repeat, uh, repeats itself many times in Scripture, or specifically in this passage. And take a good look at this, okay? Here are the verses right here. Song of Solomon 2, verse 7. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken what? Love until it what? Please it. Song of Solomon 3, verse 5. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken what? Love until it pleases. Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 4. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not what? Stir up nor what? Awaken love until it pleases. And what you are discovering is this. There is, spoken by the woman, a sort of a halting, a sort of slowing down of the process of love. Things are happening so quickly, so fast, so powerfully, so overwhelmingly that the, this woman is constantly saying, hey, just slow down, slow down. Do not go into this next stage. Do not go further until it is ready. And so you see this over and over again in this book throughout the various processes because God wants us to mature in several phases of the courtship process. Can you say amen to that? And so you see this constant repetitious phrase repeating over and over again. Wait just a second. Wait till there's a readiness, a maturity before we keep going on. And so as we look at the, the courtship phases, 
we need to understand some things, okay? As the relationship is taking place, we need not to follow the world's uh, model of relationship. Oftentimes, you see in the world, somebody will get together, and they just met each other one day, and then the very next week, they're sleeping in the same house. You know, I've seen that over and over again. Another time, it's just like, hey, we just we decided we're going to start dating. You take a good look at them the very next day, they're holding hands, and they're just like, I just met the person of my dreams. They're intoxicated by love. That's what the problem is. And so you see this, this quick quickness and this speediness in relationships, and oftentimes it's a sign of unhealthiness. See, in relationship, there needs to be process. It doesn't mean everything is going to be mathematically lined up, but it does mean that there is going to be a slow, gradual process in understanding. If you want the greatest amount of healthiness, one woman by the name of Ellen White says, make haste slowly. <laughs> make haste slowly. In other words, enjoy each step. Take advantage of it. Grow. Go into it. But at the same time, keep it in the back of your mind. Make sure that your feelings are not overwhelming your sense of reason. Can you say amen to that? So while the courtship phase has begun, here's a few dynamics I think we need to pay attention to right here. Number one, covenant. Number two, communication. Number three, church. Number four, time. Number five, physical. Number six, guarding. So, one of the great things that godly couples can do when they initiate a relationship is to set up a covenant. A covenant is kind of like a mutual contract where there's uh, some form of agreement. Now, this isn't some business where you have to have a third party sign everything, but it is something where both of you are agreeing upon certain things. My friend one time used this analogy I thought was very beautiful. He said this, look, when a farmer is about to, you know, um, irrigate a field, he can just turn on the water and all of a sudden the water will flow into the field and it will go everywhere. It will be very inefficient. But if he's a wise farmer, what he's going to do is, prior to opening up the water, he's going to set grooves down. And as he sets those grooves down and those pathways, when the water is finally released, the water is going to go into those grooves and it will be efficient and effective at reaching its intended target. Does that make sense? Yes or no? So right before or right as the relationship is going to take place, ladies and gentlemen, you can immediately let love or feelings of love take over. And what's going to happen is it's going to go all over the place. Or you can be intentional about certain things. So setting the covenant up is something very special that should take place. Now, what is the covenant? One of my good friends, they actually shared with me their covenant when they got together. And this is their covenant right here. That's just the first page. Okay. <laughs> hey, look, you may think it's funny, but I mean, you're going to be living with the person for the rest of your life. You're going to have kids, right? And many of the world's relationships are falling apart. So you want to do the best you can to, uh, to make this the most godliest, most powerful, most successful kind of relationship. Amen? Amen. All right. The covenant of so-and-so. Now, take a good look at this. This is their exact words, and I'll go fast. 
Because of our commitment to love God supremely and our neighbor as ourselves, we promise by God's grace to hold the following principles as we seek God's will for our lives. They've been married for several years, have three kids, very successful couple. We covenant to keep God as our first priority in our lives. We choose to nurture our relationship with God, spending time daily with Him, even if it means less time with each other. Keep going. We covenant to seek God's will at every step. We are willing to challenge and forsake our personal preferences and opinions by examining them against His word, His action, and His leading. We promise to support and uphold each other's ministries, respecting one another's spiritual gifts and talents. We also commit ourselves to finding ways in which we can work as a team, building up and sharpening each other so that we can mutually strengthen the body of Christ. We promise to be honest with each other, telling the truth in love. We refuse to play games with each other. Amen? We refuse to play games with each other's feelings or to engage in any form of manipulation. We commit ourselves to openly sharing within an atmosphere of trust, love, and respect. We will listen carefully, show empathy, genuineness, and acceptance. When we fail or disappoint one another, we will communicate about the problem, forgive, and ask forgiveness where appropriate. We will seek to lovingly challenge both... By the way, I'm going to stop right here. Oftentimes, in a lack of communication people will not share what's going on in a very open and loving way. And what happens is feelings begin to build up. And about two or three later, two or three days later, the guy has no reason or no understanding why the female is acting the way she is. And he's like, what did I do? And he's, she's like, you know what you did. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We're talking about two different species here, right? And so the communication needs to be clear and open as much as possible. Amen? If you don't know how to communicate and share what's going on honestly without, you know, unnecessarily like destroying the other person, but learning to share, you'll find a mutual kind of respect and honesty that will continue to grow more and more. Let's continue. We will listen carefully, show empathy, genuineness, and acceptance. When we fail to or disappoint one another, we will communicate about the problem. Forgive and ask for forgiveness when appro where appropriate. We will seek to lovingly challenge both ourselves and each other to grow beyond our comfort zones to the place where we more fully reflect Christ's image. Amen? Here's the second part of it. The last part of it. <clears throat> okay, here we go. I'll let that one go. Okay. All right. We choose to avoid... Now pay attention to this, other romantic attachments. Uh, look, here's the thing. Either you can kind of set these guidelines in the very beginning or find out about two or three months later, have a hard talk with each other and say, look, we need to be careful about the other relationships in our lives. What, you, what do you prefer? When the hurt takes place or prior? Prior, of course. We, we choose to avoid other romantic attachments until we are sure of the will of God for our relationship. If, after prayerful consideration and counsel, either of us believes God is not leading us together, he or she will be free to share the reasons why in honesty and to terminate this relationship without guilt. Amazing. We aim to develop a balanced, holistic relationship centered on Christ, Jesus Christ. We will, therefore, seek to honor God in all aspects of our conversation in life. While we will nurture spontaneity and expression of our feelings, we will also evaluate whether these are in line with the will of God. We promised to express our love for each other in ways appropriate to the purity of a Christian relationship. We therefore covenant to avoid all kissing, prolonged or intense hugging, or any caresses incompatible with Christian purity. Our relationship will seek to express genuine love and respect for God and each other while keeping our minds clear and our consciousness pure. We covenant, and here's the last part of this, 
We covenant to let not our longing slay the appetite of our living. You guys hear what that just, how they ended this? We covenant to let not our longing slay the appetite of our living. We will live joy, joyously and fully in the presence of God. Out of our unselfish commitment to God and each other, we promise to faithfully follow this covenant to the best of our ability, praying for wisdom to discern the will of God and courage to move forward. Ladies and gentlemen, it may be kind of funny when you hear this at first and you're thinking to yourself, a covenant? But when you actually begin to think about it, it's almost like the farmer who's beginning to set the grooves down. And so when love or those feelings are, are released in such strong, powerful ways, they're going to go into their intended areas efficiently and effectively. So one of the things I really want to challenge you on, as you have made that commitment, you guys need to spend time in prayer and saying, okay, let's write a covenant. Because this is going to be one of the most beautiful things that you will give to your children one day. And they will say, this is how my parents came together. Can you imagine the pride these children will have and the role models they will have, seeing how parents, two, a man and woman, got together and how they made it from the very beginning a covenant of love, a special kind of contract, a promise that they will honor each other. And these things are laid out prior to when the uh, events actually take place. So here we are we're in the relationship and we begin to understand some things. Number one, a kind of covenant that describes dynamics of that relationship. Communication, extremely important. Church, church, time, physical aspect, and guarding. We talked a little bit about the covenant. Let's talk a little bit about communication. What sort of communication is healthy for people in the first few stages of their courtship relationship? Oh, that's a question. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Talking about your expectations, your values, your beliefs. Um, what, yeah, your priorities. Okay, that's good. That's very good. Anybody else? Yes. Getting to know the other person. Getting to know the other person. Very good. Anybody else? Yes. Honesty. Honesty. Very good. I'm looking for one other thing, though. Yes? Healthy schedules, like not talking at 2 a.m. or things like that. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay? Me and my friends, when we were around the world, okay, when we wanted to find out something about a you know, female we were dating, you know how we'd find out? We'd stay up late talking to them. Because something starts happening around 1 a.m., 2 a.m., the brain stops working very well. And you'll find people willing to share things and reveal things that they wouldn't prior to that time. Oftentimes I would stay up late with, you know, I'm going back with one of my ex-girlfriends, I would stay up late till 2 a.m. talking to her, and oftentimes we'd fall asleep on the phone. It seemed romantic for the first month. Then it started becoming annoying. But here's the thing. We started sharing everything too quickly, too fast. And the things that were left for mystery and the things that were left for intrigue and natural development were gone. We were quick to share things. Oftentimes people get into a relationship and say, this is the person I am going to marry. I think to myself, oh, they share too much too quickly. They know each other's life story. Everything about their life story after the first week. 
There's a danger in that because the reason why is the more you share, and I'm going to make this concentric circle right here. Just imagine a large concentric circle. On the outer side is information. On the inner circle, there's thoughts and opinions. And in the very center circle of this concentric figure, um, you could say these circles, very center is something called needs and fears. When needs or fears, needs and fears are, are, are communicated, the highest form of bonding takes place. And so before you've had a chance to really get to know that person and view their, understand their character, you've just formed the strongest kind of bond too quickly, too fast. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Look, I'm not saying you shouldn't be sharing and getting to know each other. All I'm simply saying is don't go too quick. Women, there needs to be, you need to keep some mystery. Amen? I mean, the, the guy's going to do all he can to quickly ascertain all the information about you as soon as he can. I mean, that's what guys do. <laughs> but you should be somebody that's not so quick to reveal, and you'll find that the relationship will still have its beauty and its joy as it's extended over a period of time. Are we making sense? Yes or no? Yes? Were we supposed to call their parents just knowing about their information? Were you here yesterday? <laughs> okay, say that question one more time. Here's the thing, um, and, I, and I'm saying this, so I, I don't want to sound like, hey, these are, this is a specific formula. One of the most dangerous things is to have a, a clear-cut formula about how love is supposed to work. <laughs> but there are guidelines. I, I said this, and I'd repeat this, is uh, there needs to be somewhat of an awareness, and uh, I mean, unless you're really dull, you're pretty quick to pick up there's something happening right now, okay? Uh, does that make sense? And so, like, I could say to you, I'm like, well, no, all you can share is just information, which is purely impossible if you're trying to connect with that person, right? You may share things. All I'm simply saying at this point is don't share everything too quickly, too fast. So they know everything about you and your deepest, darkest secrets and your deepest, darkest fears in the first week. You know, that needs to be extended over a period of time. But see, one of the most difficult part, as we discussed yesterday, is wait a minute, when does the call of the parent take place? And, and I had to emphasize it yesterday because it seemed really foreign to a lot of people. It's foreign to me when I first heard it. But what I'm not saying is, hey, you absolutely have to have each step perfectly and in priority. There needs to be a time where you definitely are getting to know each other. And when you sense a sort of awareness, they're aware that I like them. I'm aware that I like them. You know, it's pretty obvious. And there, needs, there seems to be some kind of consistent pattern. That's when you, A, if you're older, you may say, look, I'm going to call your parents up. I'm going to call your, mom, to call your dad up. I, I just want to be respectful to you and your parents. That's who I am as a Christian. Or if they come from a very conservative past and you, or a conservative background, you may be aware of that. You may need to talk to the parent before you go any further with them. So it just depends on their background. Does that make sense a little bit? Because knowing their background helps you kind of understand now, there are plenty of ways you can find out information besides just talking to them. I mean, we live in a social media age, right? Everyone puts their life story on Facebook, right? So there's plenty of things. And by the way, getting to know a person is getting to know their friends too, right? Does that make sense? And so it's like, you know how to connect with them by connecting with their friends. When I was a schemer, and I'll call myself what I was, uh, that's what I was, um, and I didn't quite understand all these principles. What I would do is this. This is when I was first learning to become a Christian, okay? I had a good friend, and she had another friend, and I was interested in that friend. I said to myself, okay, how am I going to start connecting with this person? I know what I'll do. I'll talk to her friend because I know her friend has a big mouth, and she will go talk to her. 
So right before I was about to take off, I said, so this, and I said these words. I'm like, so, uh, what can you tell me about so-and-so? And then she's like, why? And then I was like, well, I'm just asking. I'm making it very obvious, okay? And then she's like, and then she shared a few things, and I'm like, okay. And I left for a trip to go somewhere, came back a week later, and my plan had come to fruition. <laughs> sure enough, that individual was adding me on Facebook, was, you know, asking who, how I was doing, and that they were a friend of my friend. You know, so it's just like, that was a scheming way to do things. We just need to be honest, right? Okay, I've shared too much. Okay, let's keep going. Arden, we need to erase this part out of the audioverse recording. So, okay, okay, let's talk about church, okay? Couples, as they're beginning out, church life is extremely important, right? especially if they live in the vicinity. They need themselves to have their own independent walk with God. If they do not have their own independent walk with Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say something to you, and I mean it with all the love in the world. They need space from you. They need to grow in their walk with Jesus as much as possible. Otherwise, you may end up being a hindrance to that walk because you are a rival to God's love. So letting them kind of grow in their own walk is extremely important. But say to people who have their own walk with God, that doesn't mean they're perfect. They need to learn to experience church life together, going to church, going to Sabbath school, seeing how each other engages in the life of the church. Church is to be part of your life, the rest of your existence. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I mean, that's what is going to be. That is a done deal. You're going to be going to church. That's obvious. And so learning to be part of church, learning to engage in ministry. Mission trips is very interesting. Oftentimes mission trips can form a lot of pressure on people. And you see how people react. And this is part of the growing process, learning to work together. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Okay, time. Time. Let's talk about time. It's connected to communication. Um, as you are growing, the tendency can be, we're going to talk every single day, morning, noontime, and evening. Right? We're going to see each other once a day, and what you're going to find out is something that happened also in the communication process, and that is too quick, too fast. You're going to find yourself really quickly just like, oh man, I just kind of need some alone time. This person's always wanting to be around me. We just started courting just about a couple weeks ago. Learn to just you know, gradually let things develop over time. Here's the thing. Make haste what? slowly it's okay it's not the end of the world today right we need to just slowly let things be very gradual be very temperate making sure that person is growing in their walk with god and here's the thing if they just want to spend all the time in the world with you that usually indicates a kind of uh weakness and i think that weakness is important to explore and that is this they are craving for a special kind of love where they need to find it by god first and you're the one that they are replacing with God, so that's why they need to spend all this time with you. In the beginning, things need to naturally develop. Things need to grow. You need to be temperate. You need to continue communicating. And I'm not here to tell you how many times a week you need to communicate, but I am saying is just pay attention and just ask yourself, wait a minute, is there still mystery about me and mystery about uh, the other person that we can still explore over time? Or do we know everything already? 
You see what I'm saying? Let things grow naturally, and you're going to find that there is this longing that will stay intense as the relationship is continuing on with time. Physical. Okay. Uh, BJ, can I borrow you for a second? <laughs> Sorry. I never tell BJ these things, because if I tell him, he wouldn't be staying for this service. Okay, BJ, could you go right here? Okay. Now, oftentimes, you see this really quickly. <laughs> oftentimes, you see this really quickly. It happens really, really, really fast, okay? Now, you may think, oh, come on. Now, that's just high schoolers. Oh, my goodness. Young adults are the worst, okay? Because we think we have a sense of um, understanding and knowledge and experience, and somehow we've conquered the world already. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a physical body, and that physical body reacts, it goes on autopilot. Men, it goes on autopilot when we're within a, a certain distance, right? So here's the thing. The physical part is extremely important. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is this. Because the sooner the physical part takes place, when physical things take place, what happens is this. The mind becomes unreasonable. And the reason why, it doesn't mean you're stupid or insane, it just means that the physical aspect of who you are is now becoming the dominant part of who you are in the physical relationship and interaction. So you've got to really think about this, and you've got to really learn to just be temperate and just be like, okay, how much is too much, okay? So, oftentimes, you want to be careful of how much physical touch you have in the beginning. Does that make sense? If you just started, you know, uh, courting after the first week and you're just finding yourself, man. And you're kind of just like bringing them in all the time. You know, you start caressing them all the time. All these things start happening, right? Okay, that's enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what happens is this. And, I, and, and, and this may seem very foolish, okay? But here's the thing. Guys, like I said, we go on autopilot, right? You spend enough time close to their face. What do you start looking at? Their eyes. <laughs> their eyes. Okay, very good. Amen. Let's go back to the real world. Okay. What do you start looking at? Their lips. And you know what happens when you start looking at their lips? Come on. <laughs> You know what's going to happen? You know, you know exactly what happens when you start looking at their lips. Right? You look at their lips and you look at their eyes and they're looking at your lips. You're looking at their eyes, right? And you see this begin to take place and you find yourself really close to their face and you know what's going to happen magically? You're going to move in for that kiss. And you're going to think to yourself, wait, did this just happen automatically? I didn't even plan for this. And that's because your body is doing what God designed the human body to do. Is that when males and females get into a close proximity, close proximity, what's going to happen is there's going to be a natural kind of reaction. Does that make sense? Yes or no? And what happens is, is in the early parts of the relationship, when the physical stuff happens too quickly, now pay attention to what I'm saying. There may have already been warning signs about the relationship. But because the physical things took place too quickly, what happens is you begin to bypass the warning signs. Bonding begins to take place. And when you realize, I should have broken up with this person, we're so afraid of the pain now of breaking up. 
Does that make sense? Yes or no? I'm, I know I'm speaking the truth. It's happened to me. You know? So it becomes very difficult, and the hardest thing to do is having to say, you know what? No. There were other warning signs in this, and now we've gotten too close, too quickly, physically. It's so hard for me to break up. You see what I'm trying to say? By elongating things, by making sure things are, are done over a period of time. I'm not here to tell you whether or not you should kiss before the marriage or, you know, or at the, the marriage or at the wedding, right? But I am here to say to you, do everything in your power to guard the purity of that person. The Bible says this, as ring is, gold ring is, in the snot of a pig, or pearls before your swine, right? So is a lovely woman who forsakes discretion. In other words, like, you know, you don't, something with jewelry has monetary value to it. You place it before a pig, how does a pig react to that? He destroys it, buries it in the dirt or does whatever with it, right? He does not understand its value. And so what the Bible is trying to point out, that a beautiful woman, a fair woman, a woman of God, when she is becoming immodest in the relationship, or whatever it is, what she is doing is, the things that God has given to her, the beauty that God has given to her, is being given to the dirt of the world. It's losing its purpose. You want somebody who's going to value, and if they value, they're going to value your body. Can you say amen to that? So guarding of the physical relationship is extremely, extremely important. In fact, I'm going to share a little bit of a story with you right before we go into that, um, and it is this. <laughs> Take a good look at this story right here, okay? It's a true story. Christian couple, okay? Uh, he was her Prince Charming, and she was her um, Snow White. I don't know what, what's the female version of that. So, um, anyways, they decided, I don't watch Disney movies, okay? So here's the thing. They decided that, you know, they were going to marry. They were a very Christian couple, and they decided, hey, look, it was the, the morning of the wedding. And they said, wait a minute. They said, and he, he just felt the urge, I want to go see her and pray with her. But what happens is, it's because Jesus was the center of their relationship. I think that's awesome. And what happens is he didn't want to see her because, you know, that tradition, the, the groom doesn't see the bride and the bride doesn't see the groom on the morning of the wedding. And so what happens is he rushed and they arranged it and she was around one corner and he reached his hand over and she reached, his hand, reached over her hand and they prayed because they just needed a time of prayer. But she writes actually about this. And look what she says right here. I think it was very interesting. See, he is not only my prince charming because of his incredibly handsome looks or wonderful humor, or the fact that we have so much in common. He is my Prince Charming. Now pay attention. Because he helped me protect the most precious gift that I owned, my purity. My purity. Soon after we had started dating, I nervously told my prince that I was a virgin and planned to be until the night of my wedding. To which he replied he would have it no other way. No other way. Throughout our dating relationship and engagement, we constantly fought, and what at times felt like a losing battle, we fought temptation with prayer, scripture, and accountability. I had friends checking up on me if they knew we were together late at night, and he regularly met with other godly men to pray for strength. At times, especially as the wedding grew closer, we thought we were attempting to do the impossible. But what was so amazing is, 
they kept the purity of that relationship. Here's the thing. There's so many things to talk about when it comes to the courtship phase. But the one thing I want to hone in on is this, ladies and gentlemen. You need to guard the purity of each other. And whether that means you don't call each other past that late night, every night. I understand once in a while things like this can happen. But every single night, that's not healthy. And it leads to excess intemperance. Maybe it's the time. Too quick, too fast. You guys are spending every day together. And you're not allowing each other to grow and diversify in the other relationships that exist in your life. Your church life needs to grow. How both of you can be involved in ministry and get involved in the church of God is extremely important. Learning all these things is very important. And as the courtship begins to grow over a period of time, what you're going to find to be is a very beautiful flower that opens up naturally and beautifully, revealing what it really is, a gift of God to this world. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to bless you in a special way. Amen? Just think about the covenant. Perhaps you're single and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I'm not in a relationship yet. This is the time to really start thinking, if I was in a relationship, what kind of covenant would I write? Or we would write, what sort of things would I want to be part of this covenant? What kind of communication would we have? How would our church life be? Would we be people who'd want to invite people over to our house to have study of God's word and food, Sabbath afternoon? Would we be people who'd love to go on a mission trip if possible based on time and everything? How would we be witnesses to this world and teach our children? How about our physical relationship? You know, I have a couple that I'm baptizing. They're going to get married before I baptize them. They've been together for several years. They have three kids. And I said something to them. I said... You want to know why you should get married? Out of all the other reasons, that's extremely important. I said this, because one day your kids are going to grow up and they know that you made a decision for Jesus Christ, that you wanted to honor God and be right in His sight. So you chose to get married in spite of the so-called financial advantages you might have had if you were single. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling to honor Him in all the things in our lives. Amen? Our bodies are the temple of God. He does not want them defiled in time. The marriage relationship will take place and a beautiful expression of that love, the physical part, will happen. And that of itself will be a growing time and a learning time. And also don't forget to guard each other. If you love that person, you're going to guard their purity and who they are. Amen? Amen. Why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer? I want to show this picture, by the way. <laughs> picture of a couple that decided to retain their purity all the way to the day of their wedding. And when they saw each other, both of them wept because they knew that this was a gift of God to each other. Let's bow our heads and say a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, the time is so short and we've covered so little. But God, thank you so much that in every phase of life, you're willing to help us even if we've made mistakes. I thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from mistakes, Lord. And you wash away the guilt. But right now, right here, God, we choose to make a decision. Make us right with you, Lord. Help us to do that which honors you and brings a smile upon your face. May every person leave with the love of Jesus in their heart. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.